as an entrepreneur, making sure that you align like your values and what your checkbook is doing is aligned as a company, I think speaks volume. This is The E-Commerce Leader, a show for you, the owner of a thriving online business. In this shorter episode, we bring you our hot takes on topical and central e-commerce subjects, fresh from our expert panel, Chris Green, Jason Miles, Kyle Hamer, and myself, Michael Beasley. Let's jump in. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. So welcome to the show, gents, and uh, this is an exciting top at the moment. Jason, I know you're a big fan of Elon Musk. Just to quickly reiterate, by the way, and my understanding is the border of Twitter has now agreed to a $44 billion takeover offer from the billionaire Elon Musk, owner of SpaceX, Tesla, boring company, um, founder of PayPal, I believe, originally, or maybe yeah, not founder. <laughs> Let's not get into that, but that's the sort of history. And he's been buying up shares steadily and then rather less steadily, was offered a place on the board, nearly joined, didn't join, left, and then made an offer in mid-April, which I believe has now been accepted by the board. So that's the background. Jason, let's get your thoughts on this. What are your hot takes? How does this impact e-commerce sellers now or in the future? I'm really interested in this whole storyline. Never been a big user of Twitter. I have an account. I think I have 3,500 followers or something like that, but honestly, haven't used it in years. It's never been a primary social strategy for me, but I've been following the story closely. And I want to take a moment to just point out that I think an interesting observation about this whole thing is what Elon Musk did, which was he saw an underperforming asset that he had an opinion about and he purchased it. And this is a running theme or narrative that I continue to talk about with our coaching clients and people in our community, which is there's a huge opportunity to purchase assets. And there's a massive shift in people's ownership of assets happening because people are retiring, people are changing course, uh, businesses are becoming available. And I think what he did is instructive. Set aside any details related to Twitter, just the fact that he found something he thought could be much more optimally run and had the cash to do it or got the cash to do it and made it happen. So I think that's the first lesson for us as kitchen table entrepreneurs is look what other people are doing that are smart, buying companies, buying assets and learn how to do that. So that's my first commentary on the topic. And there are more tactical details about Twitter itself. But I think that's an interesting thing to uh, just point out in terms of what's happened here. Interesting. And I know that there's a, a fairly objective um, measure that the, I believe the share price at IPO. So when it went public in 2013 was about $44 a share. I don't think mm-hmm. it's much better than that now. So no. objectively speaking, you could argue it, it is, you know, definitely underperforming in terms of returning returns to shareholders. Yeah. And um, yeah, very interesting. I tried to look for the multiple that he paid. What's the price to earnings multiple that he paid? There isn't one because they're not profitable. <laughs> well, for goodness sake, I would imagine the first thing he's going to do is start to have. Now, he said it's not about money for him, but I can almost guarantee you he's going to change this system in terms of it just being an operating environment in which they do focus on profitability. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, my, my sort of, if you're looking at very big picture lessons, I would say being obsessed with profitability is also not a characteristic that at least comes across publicly from Elon Musk, but that may be part of his appeal 
to users, to shareholders. And there is a sort of mission sense around him, right? As there is with Jeff Bezos. And I don't think I'd accuse Jeff Bezos of not being interested in money, but he's obviously interested in more than just money. Okay, interesting. Chris, I know you're a Twitter user with maybe some <laughs> interesting relationship to Twitter yourself right now. What's, what's your take on the whole thing? I like the fact that Twitter's getting a lot more attention. I don't think there's anything wrong with things becoming uh, more well-known. So I think this is definitely going to boost Twitter as potentially the primary go-to social media news outlet. What's happening? What's the pulse? What are people thinking about? What's trending? Like to have one place to go instead of what's well, trending on Twitter, but like, okay, but how much is, how big is that kind of thing? I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. I definitely want to spend more time on Twitter moving forward. I think it might become more important to have more of a presence, more of a, just being active on the platform. And like you guys said, it's not profitable right now. And like, why is Musk buying a, something that's not profitable? I would make the case that when you get like to the billionaire type status, and people need to realize Musk doesn't have $44 billion in the bank. Like he had to secure financing and, and all this stuff. And neither does Jeff Bezos. He doesn't have billions of dollars in the bank. He has billions of dollars worth of assets and stock and ownership of companies and things like that. So it's not like liquid cash that they're throwing around. But when you get to be billionaires, I, as someone who's not a billionaire, from the outside looking in, I do think they try to one-up each other in terms of look how big and amazing my stadium is instead of look how much cash I have in the bank, right? Look how big and valuable my company is. Look how much, how many users my business has. Look how like different metrics than just dollars in the bank kind of thing. That being said, and it's very similar to Amazon, Amazon doesn't run at a loss. They don't necessarily run at humongous profits and take as much you know, margin or profit as they can off every single transaction and product and service that they offer, but they don't operate in the red. They want to just barely, they want to like be operating. They want to be profitable. They want to basically be not losing money and continue to acquire market share and users and attract vendors and sellers. And especially the fees are incredibly low. The costs that I have to pay as an author to get my own books are incredibly low. Uh, and they do that to attract authors because they want to attract the content because if they have the content and the books and all that on their platform, then they're going to get the customers, which then they want to offer the lowest prices to instead of like, oh, we can charge way more for this and they're still going to pay it. No, they want to charge a low. So I, I could see them doing that uh, with Twitter to be like, yes, it's not profitable. We need to be technically profitable, but not wildly profitable. As long as it's not losing money and it's serving a purpose and the billionaires get the flex, be like, why own Twitter? I was like, why own Amazon? Why own Facebook? That's the game that they're playing in one way or another. Not how much cash do I have in the bank kind of thing. So I, I do think he has good intentions for it. There's a difference between intentions and how things play out. Like human psychology is different than, oh, the group, the, uh, group psychology and individual psychology are very different. And we'll have to see how it plays out. To Amazon's point, and by the way, I don't think Amazon's ever been one for profit, but it's run for cash flow. The fact they have a negative cash uh, cycle means that they don't have to worry about profit because the more they sell, the more cash they have, which is something Jason and I talked about in a deep dive. So you're right. That sort of the obvious things that apply, as you say, Jason, to kitchen table entrepreneurs just don't apply at the billionaire level at all. Sometimes the opposites. So you're, you're right to, to flag that up. Kyle, what are your... I think it's a match made in controversy heaven. You take a controversial platform like Twitter and then you take a controversial person like Elon Musk, you put them together and sparks are going to fly. So I think that'll be interesting. I think in the interim... Short-term ramifications for e-commerce sellers, there are zero. Other than to Jason's point, you're being a, you're aware of underperforming assets or assets that you have a vision around that you want to go ahead and acquire. I think that's a great lesson to take out of it. In general, like a broader, if you step back a little bit, I think 
Elon Musk is putting his money where his mouth is. And I think this is a bit of a reaction over the last two years to the dynamic around free speech and his interpretation of free speech being impugned upon by these platforms. And, and to Chris's point, billionaires uh, like to own the platform of choice. For Bezos, it's the Washington Post, although they work very hard to try and make it clear when they're reporting on Amazon that you know Bezos owns the Washington Post and, and all that media. Uh, and now it's Elon on Twitter. So I think, though, that putting his money where his mouth is in terms of he is an advocate of free speech and is been harping on it for the last few years. And now he's basically said, hey, I'm going to put $44 billion up to make sure that the platform continues to uphold that as a standard. So I think that's my biggest takeaway of where, and maybe as an entrepreneur, being aware of making sure that you align like your values and what your checkbook is doing is aligned as a company, I think speaks volume. And I think that was the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, interesting that people are taking the sort of meta lessons about the overall behavior, which I think is really helpful, actually. And that avoids getting mired in, as you said, the perfect controversy of Musk and Twitter, that sort of, that's going to be social media hell for some people. And thank goodness we're talking about it on a business-like way, which I think is going to be a refreshing change to what we see over the next few days on Facebook, Twitter, indeed. I'm interested in the longer term position of this. So for me, this is a microcosm, a case point, but which could be a trigger point at some point, probably I'm imagining a little bit down the line around the whole relationship between social media and a very special legal position in the United States, which has been emulated by other uh, jurisdictions like the UK, European Union. I'm wondering whether the bubble is beginning to burst for the internet immunity. And it's really important because they say that Section 230, which was created in 1996, which effectively provides immunity from liabilities for people who offer quotes platforms or quotes neutral platforms on like Twitter, for example, um, that's been called the 26 words that made the internet. So it enabled search engines, social media, video streaming, cloud computing. I'd argue Amazon reviews as well, because obviously Amazon publishes reviews, which, by the way, can be hugely damaging. Got a friend who um, had a business that was just about to sell for healthy seven figures, had the entire business taken down by Amazon on the basis of one single comment, which claimed that it was dangerous, which is almost certainly about a different product based on my conversations with him. I'm interested to see what happens. I've been deep diving into this today. I won't bore you with, with the detail, but at the federal level, there's been quite a few bills that didn't get passed into law, but which were seriously debated, especially in 2018, 1920, around this. And it seems that a couple of uh, states, including Florida, have actually passed some laws that sort of mean that this much vaunted neutrality is not necessarily anymore in law at the state level. And um, so that's very interesting to me to see where that goes over the next few years, because yeah. I think that could affect everything about the Internet. Yeah, that question, it's in simplicity, I think, is, is the platform the publisher and are they are they accountable for the content that would mm. obviously turn over the whole system of the Internet. But a few other points that I think are really important to point out, the practical implications of Twitter being being overhauled, I guess you could say, taken private. And Musk did make the comment yesterday that he's excited about the product development on Twitter. And let's just say, and he, he specifically pointed out the bots that are problematic. And, and let's just say he solves the basic problems. What he's ending up with is an asset that has primarily been what he described as a town square focused on politics and that kind of, of area of emphasis. But where every other social media platform is on every one is to e-commerce. And I think that's really interesting to think about. If he solves the, okay, this is the town square and it's all fair now, left and right can both be unhappy or happy or the politics can do what it does, but that's not the core 
totality of the product itself, if he puts puts energy into it being in the same direct platforms, it will be towards e-commerce. And that opens up a lot of interesting opportunities. If you think through that vein of, of logic, where that could go, it could be used for interesting e-commerce opportunities in the future. And I would just make the, the argument that I would imagine he will sort through the drama problems on Twitter and the town square fairness issues. And then the question is going to be what's next for it as a product. What, what will he do with it? And uh, that that's where it gets interesting to me. If it runs towards e-commerce, I won't be surprised. And I think that will create a lot of opportunity. The other thing that I'll just say is a, a social media marketer. My, my first book was called Pinterest Power. Then I wrote Instagram Power with McGraw-Hill and then YouTube Marketing Power. Um, as an observer of what's been happening in the social media space for the last three, four years, here's what's been happening. People are disenfranchised with one platform. So the countervailing political party wants to create their own platform. And we've had this emergence of these smaller-ish type attempts. It's the parlor or the whatever. There's so many of these new upstart platforms. And they're really a objection to a different platform. It's like, these guys aren't cool. They're not fair. So I'm going to go start something different. But as a marketer on these platforms, that creates a bifurcation of these platforms. It's very frustrating. They just keep splitting up and splitting up. And as a marketer, you're like, oh my goodness, do I have to really start doing the marketing on so many more platforms. So if anything, my hope is that he actually just consolidates people collectively back around Twitter on both the right and the left and say, hey, this is a fair system for all involved. We're going to use it for productive purposes uh, socially. And people will be like, okay, I'm back into Twitter as Chris immediately went to in his thinking, okay, I'm going to go back into it a bit more. I'm going to re-engage with it. And if that happens for us and it's a stronger product at the end of the day for e-commerce operators, for promotional marketing efforts and all that, it's a real, it really allows us to not have to continue to go down these smaller and smaller micro platforms to find customers. So I think those are important object lessons for us to... Just a couple of reactions to that, if I can jump in. I mean, first of all, I love your optimism that people are going to use social media for socially productive, useful things, and that the political parties in the USA will bury the hatchet and meet in the middle. I guess that may be possible. I hope you're right. I'd love to think that could happen. And to your Everyone point snickers. Of, you know, <laughs> to the point of being on one platform versus the fractioning that you're talking about chat a while ago, which I was just revising because we put it up on the Amazing FBA platform because I thought it was a good episode where you talked about the fact that Amazon is just too big and that it's turning into sort of micro markets could be the way forward. And that's where you see the opportunity for Shopify store owners and so forth. And I wonder if the similar thing is happening in social media, which sadly for you, if you don't want to be on 25 different platforms, could be that you have to pick 10 where your audience is that resonates with you, I suppose. Certainly uh, interesting landscape fraction. Very interesting. And the other thing just to pick up on, and as soon as I heard Elon Musk, I'm like, oh, he's a physical products dude. What's he doing in, in digital marketing? But of course, that implies to your point. I think that the fact that he will be geared naturally in his blood to e-commerce with physical products. I think it feels instinctively yeah. the, the right thing because I, I can't he, imagine he wouldn't think of it at least. Yeah, but his origin story was to start as an advertiser. He created whatever it was called, Zip2 or Ad2 or whatever, and then PayPal. Those are software. And then inside Tesla, Tesla is a software company at you know, its origin in many ways, uh, on, layered on top of the physical. So I do think he does have a background in that regard. 
on the software components of it. Yeah, I would never accuse Elon Musk of not being capable of turning his hand to incredible <laughs> variety of things with great competence. Yeah. Chris or Kyle, open season. What do you, what uh, do you think? It'll be really interesting, I think, to see what he does with Twitter as a platform. I think if there's one entrepreneur on the planet that you do not want to bet against, it's probably Elon Musk. He's proven time and time again that he's got the vision and I would say the fortitude and the guts to make big plays. And you've seen it with SpaceX, you've seen it with Tesla, and now with Twitter. So I think he'll definitely have I think he'll definitely have a clear vision for the platform. I don't think he would have purchased it unless he did. And I think that will make for really interesting conversations because it's going to, it's going to, Twitter's going to be juxtaposed with Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. And it's going to be pitted, they're all going to be pitted against Twitter, I think, as a comparison moving forward. And I'm really, I'm bullish now. I never paid attention to Twitter, honestly, but it's it, just him purchasing that here's the Elon Musk effect, just him purchasing Twitter provides more focus on it more conversations about it like we wouldn't be talking about twitter on this show if it wasn't for that purchase like twitter has zero relevance um and is diminishing relevance in, through social media but now he's made it super relevant right now so i think it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah, it's a very good point that this very conversation is in itself evidence of an effect chris your thoughts I think there's so many thoughts you could go down this road. People have often pointed the billionaires to be like, you shouldn't have that much money and like you should tax them more and all that stuff. And there's like, it wasn't necessarily a quote, but it was an answer I must gave one time. I was like, he actually said, I'm hoarding resources because I'm trying to make our species an interplanetary species because we're not going to be able to live on earth forever. Like they're like, he's trying to solve big problems. And I think that's the thing that the, the billionaires try to do, especially the ones that are more public figures. They're more well-known they want to see who solves the biggest problem and be like, and that's their flex to be like, I solved the biggest problem and you solve the biggest problem. You get the biggest reward. So if you can solve the problem of free speech on the internet of building a social media platform that everybody can trust what you were saying, Jason, like people leave because they don't trust it. Uh, if they don't trust it, yeah, they go try to do something else. They try to do something else. So if we can have one place that almost has a you know species that trusts one place to go, that's a big problem. And if you can solve that problem, you're going to get, big rewards and those big rewards can be spun into more companies and more technology and more you know ways to turn us into an interplanetary species which yeah that's a big flex yeah <laughs> right to be like yeah it, because of me we have rockets that are reusable and now we have people who are literally born on mars yeah that's a big flex so he's not trying to you know hoard dollars so if he sees this opportunity there's probably if he sees some kind of you know, way forward to be like, no, I can fix a huge problem with this platform. And hopefully he can and put up or shut up. He might not. Yeah. This might completely fall flat. And he realizes, no, I can't solve this problem because humans are crazy. Like, who knows? Yeah. We'll see where it goes, yeah. but it'll be interesting. Interesting point. Jason, I can feel your, your heart to come back in. So let's get one from you and then let's do a roundup. Uh, yeah, I was just going to propose one other line of thinking that would be interesting exploration that I haven't heard anybody go down this path, but... This guy plays chess. You want to think, what is he doing? Is there any obvious value that Twitter adds to the Tesla user community? Is there a way in which having an installed base of Twitter account holders benefits Tesla? Is there a way in which Twitter in the dashboard uh, you know, display of every Tesla, Tesla drivers? I don't know those 
the answers to those questions, but I bet you people are going to start thinking through that stuff inside Tesla and inside Twitter. The integration of this tool into his ecosystem, if that's a possibility, will occur, I'd imagine. Is it valuable for the boring company? Is it valuable for neural? I can't see how it would be valuable for uh, SpaceX, but maybe for Starlink. Those integration points, I just think it sparks all kinds of interesting future possibilities that might play forward as he really gets his hooks into this thing and sorts out uh, the fundamental issues and then thinks through how can it be massively useful for his ecosystem of, of happy customers. Yeah. Yeah, if I, like I can it. tweet I, at my if I can tweet at my Tesla and have it do things, I'm sold. <laughs> if that was the integration, come pick me up and it just you tweet at it and it shows up, I'm done deal. Yeah, interesting. Just a one time observation for me before we wrap up. They've had tie-ups in the past with Twitter because I guess the value of it is in data as well as a sort of connection to people. Salesforce had a tie-up with them a while ago because they wanted the data, I think. Disney obviously found it wasn't a very family-friendly environment. They didn't really want to be associated with it in the end. And maybe if, if Musk cleans it up, then that sort of thing could happen. But yeah, it's just a, a general point to make is business strategy of integrating one type of asset with a, a seemingly unconnected asset but which actually can feed each other as a synergy is another sort of acquisition strategy to your point that you made there earlier jason we ought to wrap this one up because it is hot takes certainly a very hot topic i can see there's even people wanting to come in and have maybe we'll do that in future but for the moment we'll stick to our format so 30 second burst from everyone final takeaway thoughts on this topic jason you first I think all of us as e-commerce operators need to ask ourselves the question, what's the current state of our e-commerce social media uh, marketing? How does it help our business? And is Twitter going to then, because of this, be an opportunity for us going forward? So I'd say just an analysis of what we currently do and how Twitter might play into it going forward is a wise takeaway for all of us as e-commerce operators. My takeaway is observe Keep an eye on Twitter, but don't chase it. Don't turn it into a, uh, a shiny object and distract you from your current plan on whatever social media plan or marketing you're engaged in. Just stick to the plan. And if it makes sense to re relevantly add it in in the future, then do. But for now, just observe would be my take on it. Yeah, interestingly, we're on a different platform from uh, Twitter, but we're talking about Twitter. And I guess that's one of the things that that strikes me that we had a, a call-in show slash podcast show about the fact that people are going on Twitter to talk about the fact that Facebook was down. So just because something's a subject of, of uh, discussion doesn't necessarily mean that it is actually somewhere we should be actively. That's a very good point. But certainly worth considering, as you say, Jason, to review whether it should be. Chris, take us home. Final thoughts. To me, the biggest challenge he's going to have, to have is, or he will have, is making it a trusted platform. Just like I said before, if people don't trust it, they're not going to purchase products off it. They don't trust it, they're not going to believe the information. They're not going to trust what's trending is actually trending, or is it being pushed that it's trending? And that's where there's potentially conflict of interest. If he owns Tesla and he's like, you know what, I really don't want my competitors advertising on Twitter. How do you prove that there's no bias? How do you prove there's not preferential treatment given to anybody? And you want to go down the, the road that no one wants to go down? How do you trust it in terms of politics when there's a person behind it? Elon Musk potentially has the ability, like they call it a kingmaker, to basically pick the president, pick um, governors with the amount of control of and distribution of content information. And that's why sometimes you say it's not good for one person to have that much power and control. And what do billionaires do? Jason said at the beginning, they buy up. Uh, distribution of information and content like newspapers and and cable news networks and now we're going to social media networks so if it's trusted great if it's not 
he, I don't want to say wasted 44 million, but he's going to have a bigger challenge on his hands. It'll be interesting either way. Absolutely. There's no question. It's interesting to your point, Kyle, is Elon Musk moves are pretty almost news newsworthy. Probably by intention, who knows what chess game he's playing, to your point, Jason. So if you've enjoyed today's show, and I can see quite a few listeners on this topic, perhaps unsurprisingly hot topic on call-in. Don't forget to call up. Find us on the call-in app available on iPhones near you. Sadly, I think on Android and Windows phone, not yet available. I'm sure they're working on that. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Google Podcasts as well. So please do come and subscribe and join the ever-growing. We've got a very steady user growth on Spotify. That's a nice steep steep curve so come and join us there and finally if you are listening to the show and you're enjoying it don't forget to give us a star rating as well on apple podcasts or on spotify thanks very much for listening to the e-commerce leader hot takes call-in show that was the e-commerce leader podcast with michael vesey in london england and jason miles in seattle washington if you liked this content don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app for free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.